ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Josh Merritt, welcome to ATV Talk again. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, it was just a wonderful, I'm doing great, but it was wonderful to meet you face-to-face in Prim, Nevada at the Works Round. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, opportunity came about. Hunter Hart texted me, and uh, I don't think I hesitated. And I was like, yep, I'll go. And uh, we got some sponsors to help us out with some fuel and some uh, hotel money. And we were on our way out two weeks later. That's so cool. That's so cool. Cause I know that he had spoken to me about it, you know, six weeks prior or so. And I was just, I kind of, I wasn't supposed to say anything. And I had asked around about Johnny and a couple other people. Cause Walker I heard was going to come. And um, so it was really, really a neat experience getting to meet all you guys and, and spend a little bit of time talking with you and, um, uh, you know, what'd you think of the press conference? Oh, I thought that was actually one of the coolest things that went on at the race because just that alone kind of builds the race. I mean, you had the East Cat, East Coast boys and then you had the West Coast boys, but just having us talk and seeing like after the practice, how the track went, and what the difference is, and then kind of seeing how we're going to do out there, I think kind of put some fire under the West Coast boys. And then when they talked, it put a little bit of fire under us. So I think it was a really cool thing to do. PDV over in France kind of does a similar thing. They do that big ceremony beforehand, and it, it really pumps the crowd up and it pumps the racers up. So I think it gets better racing when it comes to the race day. So I like the pre- press conference. I cannot talk to that. That's okay. I, I, I can't say it most of the time anyways, but yeah, it was, uh, I thought it was kind of a novel idea because I hadn't seen anybody doing it uh, on East or West coast for anybody. Yeah. And uh, you might've struck gold there. Cause that could be really big, especially if you keep having some East coast boys or big, ATV MX guys coming out like Joel and that I think you could really get some people listening just because of that. Well, I'm, I'm hoping our numbers have skyrocketed. Um, we're doing what we can. We're, we have more things. I've, uh, Weenan, uh, told me about the race in Texas, the MX race in Texas. So, uh, we were thinking about trying to come to that. Um, then, I talked to Daryl Rath and he talked about uh, a race in North Carolina for the TT series to go and check that out to get those guys involved. Um, I haven't had a good correspondence with anybody about doing an XC race yet, but I still got to get my feet underneath me for, for a, you know what it costs to drive across the planet and, 
Yeah. You know, to bring a production with you um, to make it valid. It was a little rough uh, doing it outside with all those people watching. Um, The portion of the crowd cared. A portion of the crowd was just talking and didn't care. Yeah, that that would be something that I think you'll always run into. Uh, The scavenger hunt going on at the same time didn't help also. That was 10 feet away from the podcast. But uh, I think the different places you go to, I think it's still better to do that because you do have those that one group that cares and they're going to talk about it. And, you know, it's just going to keep building, building, building and word of mouth is going to get it's going to get huge. Well, we have to talk about this really quick and then we'll then we'll get into what I really want to talk to you about. Did you ever did you even know who Brandy Richards was? The gal that rides the motorcycle that won the Pro-Am? Oh, uh, Johnny told me about her, and uh, she seems like a beast. Uh, we watched her. He was Johnny was cheering her on. I was like, who the heck's that? And uh, she's pretty much like the Becca Sheets of West Coast, it sounds like. So pretty cool that she beat all the Pro-Am guys and was like holding their own. That was, that was very awesome to see. Yeah, she reeled him in, passed him. And then left him. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm super pumped on her and impressed with her. I think she's a. She's an amazing young lady, and she's so little. Yeah, yeah. Those girls, man. I raced dirt bikes at Ironman two different times, um, and we raced against the girls. And the I would keep up with them for the first lap because I knew the track from the day before racing the four-wheeler and then the rest of the race they would destroy me and i'm like holy smokes these girls i i mean they fly out there i give it to them uh, and same with the quad girls they are going faster and faster every year and it's only a matter of time before they start beating our a guys and pro-am guys like it's not far away i watched a video of hannah hunter on a 250r yep did you see that I did see that. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Dude, that gal could ride. Yeah, she she is on another level. And, like, it come down to the last race between her and Kate this year. And, wow, like, their battle during their race, I watched the whole thing because they were right on, on each other. And whoever finished one and Kate, I think, ended up breaking. But, uh, man – what a way to finish a year for women's pro race. Like that's just the excitement there gets everybody going. Right. Right. I got, I got a chance to talk to her um, over Thanksgiving weekend and it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, hopefully I get another opportunity after Christmas uh, to, to sit down and talk with her and, and get delve into XC racing. There's a, there's just so many cool things happening. So what that, what I'm going to do with you is, I need feelers on who I should talk to about how to get involved with, with, you know, talking about going to a race and which race would probably be the best one to go to. Well, I'll tell you this now, uh, Johnny Gallagher will probably be your man. Uh, he is connected beyond reason with GNCC, with the sponsors out there that support GNCCs and, you know, he kind of, gets the down low before everybody else. So uh, I would definitely contact him. I wonder if the sponsors would be down for it because I know they're, they're so tight knit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it will depend on what mood they are in that day. <laughs> That's true. That's always true. Right. Well, but okay. You raced the Heartland challenge. You won the Heartland challenge. And then a whole new Josh Merritt has emerged. Briefly tell me what's going on there with the new fire. And then let's get into Ironman. So Harlan Challenge, I definitely think with teaming up with John Galata Jr. And Hunter Hart lit a little bit of a fire under me. And uh, we took down Team GBC Yamaha, even though me and Junior run Yamaha and Hunter run Yamaha and me and Junior run GBCs. But uh, we were, that was our goal. And I think 
after that race, I got a little bit more serious. I started working out, you know, uh, doing CrossFit five times a week, riding like 30, 30 minutes a day. Truly. I have a one minute loop in my backyard. I put a stock exhaust on so I don't make my neighbors mad. And I, <laughs> I would go out there and pound 30 minutes. So 30 laps on my little track and I actually just walked it earlier today while it was raining and it is beat like this track. It's got two foot ruts all the way around it. And I run it both ways. So it's, it's pretty wild. And, uh, I'll do 15 minutes one way and then I'll turn it around and do 15 minutes the other way. So, uh, I think just the mindset of winning that race, getting fully in shape, I had the bike, you know, where I wanted it, me and BNR, uh, have the suspension and the motor set up perfectly. It was just getting me back to a hundred percent. And, uh, I think we're there and now I'm rebuilding to get me back there. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome that, that you found something to help you focus better. And life is like that one, one moment in time and boom, everything changes. Truly, it's just me not being lazy. I, I feel like I was being lazy. I wasn't, I wasn't going and riding because the only place that I could go was an hour away, and that would be with Cole Richardson, Kenny Schick, and I didn't want to make that drive because it ended up being a full day to go ride. And with me working and whatnot, the whole putting the stock exhaust and riding in the backyard for 30 minutes, I mean, I saved two hours of driving an hour of hanging out before we get helmets on. And after we get helmets on. So it's just like, it made it doable for me and it, throwing the quad right in the garage, ungearing, throwing that in the washer for the next day. You know, it's, it all kind of just played into my strengths, I guess. And that little bit of riding really, uh, help me out with the, the working out. That's awesome. That's that you got to do what it takes, man. You got to, you got to make your schedule work for you. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I've lacked a lot in my life. I've really never had a quad to practice on. So I would like, I would have a local race bike that I would race and practice on during the week. So I always kind of had to make sure everything was perfect. And I would try not to ride during the week. So it would be perfect at a local. And now I have a bike that I can just kind of go and hammer on all week. And then I'll have a local race bike and a race bike. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So break down the Ironman. Oh man. Ironman GNCC. Um, it was a good one. Uh, <laughs> right off the start, uh, McGill got tossed sideways. We, the second corner, we had a eight to ten person pile up, and I was pretty much. I hit Chris Borch. He was sideways on the track. Hit him. Almost went over the bars. I hit him so hard because I thought we all can make it around two flat corners, and uh, went in the woods probably third, fourth, the last, and was like, all right, well, <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. And that track is extremely fast for GNCC. It's probably one of the fastest ones on the circuit. So came around, um, ah, probably, let me see, yeah, actually, on my laps right here. I came around and it was a constant battle and, you know, the pro-am guys moved up, uh, three pro-am guys, Kenny Schick, um, Brandon Owens and Ronnie Rush all moved up. So they all got decent, good starts. Brandon was right behind me, just kind of riding right behind me, riding smart. And I'm trying to make passes as fast as I can, trying to get up to the top guys. Um, I know McGill wrecked hard on the first lap. So there was a couple of, him and Austin Abney passed those guys, uh, coming to the second lap, like eighth place. And, um, right behind Chris Borge, Chris Borge and Jared McClure and Jared's a guy that has raced out West and Chris Borge. Um, 
They were sixth and seventh. I was eighth. Followed them, man. I was battling. Us three were battling back and forth all day long. Um, it was really easy to like stay behind them, but those guys are so smart and track smart out there because they've done a hundred laps around that track. They changed the track up, but not that much. So these guys have probably five to eight years of more experience on that track than me over all the years. So ended up just following them and we just kept moving up and up. And then Walker and John Glotta Jr. Um, got tangled up. I actually hung out with Walker two nights ago and um, we got had some dinner with some friends and it was like a racing family thing. We drove like an hour and Walker's family was there and there was a couple other, it was uh, at McKenna's house and it was pretty cool to actually get a dinner, not at a racetrack with some race friends. So you can talk about life and whatnot. And uh, so Walker was there and I was asking him about it. Him and John Galata Jr. come together when two lines came together and John Galata Jr. ripped a ball joint out and Walker went flipping. So John broke. Walker was on the ground. I didn't actually see them when I went by them, but we all got two positions right there also. So I come into the second to last lap in fourth place, and I was like, okay, well, um, I have one or two spots that I can catch maybe past Chris and Jared and maybe get a podium, my first podium ever. And uh, we get to Ironman Hill and I take, there was, there's a creek right before Ironman Hill. So all the water gets pushed up onto the bank and it's super like rutted and wet and muddy. And so I took the right line, which was like super safe. I wasn't going to get stuck or roosted by Jared or Chris. And then I'd had to cut across and make it up Ironman Hill. When I cut across, I just spun too much and i go up to go up ironman hill make it halfway up and i bailed off the bike because the front end was coming up on me and i didn't have enough momentum and uh my hopes and dreams of getting that podium kind of went out of the door right there but uh made sure nobody could catch me and kind of just brought her in for fourth and or fifth and it was a heck of a race it was my tied for my best finish ever was it your best finish for the year? It was my best finish of the year, yes. And where did and where did Chris and McClure finish? Jared got third and Chris got fourth. Really? And uh who was first and second? Uh it was Cole Richardson and Devin Feehan. What happened to Hunter? Hunter actually blew out a Schrader valve. He must have hit a rock or a, um, I don't know, a stump, something. Those Fox floats have the Schrader valve. So if our front end is decompressed, they can get shaved right off. And I don't know, something, it cracked it. So his front front end was diving real bad in one uh, on one side. And then he also got a flat tire. So they swapped the tire. They kept the shock on and he just finished like 11th or somewhere around 11th. And That's he just had, he just had to finish to get number two. Like he just had to be in the top 20 and he was number two for the year. So he kind of just coasted in too. It was just a survival race at that point. Well, your number one and number two guy had a bad race. Yes. Yes, very bad. I And like I told Walker, I was like, why did you finish? Like, you already had the championship, and he's such a champion. He was like, I don't like quitting. And I was like, I don't either. Good for you, bud. I'm glad, I'm glad the number one guy still thinks that way when he's in 11th. You know, that's that's gives me more respect, even more respect for Walker. What about Chris? You know, he had such a dominant run for so long, and now he is fighting for every position he can get. Yeah. Uh, Chris switched to the Yamaha in the last race. So he was on a brand new ride. He wasn't on a Suzuki anymore. And 
He tried the Yamaha a few years back and hated it, but there was a couple of things he was trying wrong that I think he's everybody knows. He was kind of running a motocross bike out in the woods and it wasn't working. Now he's on a full, you know, he's pretty much on Johnny Gallagher's bike and he's got it rolling pretty good. I think next year he'll be a good threat and uh, he's definitely going to finish every race now that he has a probably a bulletproof program. Do you think that he's a threat for the championship? No, I don't think he's a threat for the championship, but he's definitely a threat for possibly podiums and top fives all day long. Like you can never count them out for sure. And I think that's going to be my goal is to be battling with him next year. That's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, uh, I remember for years when I was listening to the XC races or, and stuff and, and Chris was just, he was just so dominant. Oh yeah. He used to be the, probably the biggest Chris Borge fan of all of them. Uh, and when he was dominating, it was, it was awesome. I raced against Walker my entire life. He's a year older than me. So it's kind of always getting beat by Walker. So when Chris was winning all those championships, it felt awesome. And <laughs> then, uh, like I did the whole, I stayed at Chris's house and the winners and trained with him with Landon Wolf and Chad Weenan when he was staying at Chris's house until he bought his own house. And now, uh, now I kind of moved on and me and Hunter been hooking up out at Florida and we kind of been doing our own thing. That's pretty awesome that you guys are all friends and race together for so long. And the, the, the group, you guys still get together. You can go out and bang bars and, and have an amazing race and then sit down and, and break bread together and, and talk about, you know, where, where you're going to be next weekend or what you're going to do here or there. Uh, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. I think just because we don't have millions of dollars on the line, we're all doing it for fun. Uh, definitely puts it into perspective. Like, Hey, I'm not going to try to go kill you out there. Let's just go race hard and best man wins, you know? Yeah. Cause there's not very many of you making money doing it. No, not not much money at least. Wow, it's what I think. Walker's the only one that's that's made enough money and sponsors to not have to have a real job, right? Yeah, there's a couple of those guys that have some good deals, um, but not not out of the top five. I don't think. Well, Johnny Gallagher definitely. We can say he he has made it. He has made a career out of racing four wheelers and it's just because he is the most personable, best ambassador out there, I would say. <laughs> and oh, he, awesome. Yeah. yeah I've, uh, I've hung out with Johnny for years now. And actually one of my, when I was kind of climbing through the ranks, he had a talk with me at Unadilla. He'll, he'll tell you the full story. And he's just pretty much telling me how I just need to stay professional kind of, not make a fool of myself pretty much and put my head down at the races and do my duty, you know, kind of just go through it. And now like going out to prim, I stayed with him and Corey Ellis. I mean, two led, they're pretty much two legends and I'm, I get to hang out with them. So that was, that was very awesome. That is pretty awesome. Uh, I like, I like both of them. You know, I didn't know Johnny as well as I have gotten to know him because of the podcast and, and getting to speak to him and other, uh, for other reasons. And same with Corey. I knew I've known of Corey and, and talked to Corey when Corey was racing, but later on in life, after he's not a racer, uh, he's a pretty nice guy. He's enjoyable to hang around. Yeah. I think that's how everybody is. If they're, they're in the moment winning. They could be, they could come off as not the nicest, but you get them out of a track or off of a four wheeler and they're completely different. They're just a normal person, just like you and me. Oh, totally. Totally. I, I had a great conversation with Walker Fowler and Barry Hawk. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's good. dude. It was so awesome. I was so sick. They didn't even know. 
I was so sick. I could not even think straight. Thank God they carried the conversation because I was hurting so bad. I get in a lot of those situations. It seems like, like with Chad and, you know, Chris back in the day, Johnny and Corey Ellis now, just, it's just awesome. The things that you get to do and people that you get to meet in racing, it's, it's awesome. It is. It is. I mean, I've been blessed because I've done it my whole life, you know, couldn't couldn't ask for like, you couldn't write a better script, you know, it's, it's, it's so great. So when you're, you got the text from Hunter, you're in and you had no idea what to expect. So I started doing some research. That's the good thing about Facebook, Instagram, Google, um, kind of researched YouTube first. I was like, okay, we're racing at Prim. I want to see what this track looks like. So luckily some people wear GoPros, the works, uh, series puts out some videos and I was like, okay, it's fast. So the next question Hunter asked me, I think in text message was, Hey, are you running a moto setup? Like wide bike, big shocks. Cause we're super narrow. We have minimal travel compared to those guys. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, no. And right after that, I text Ryan from BNR because I knew we had the Daytona Supercross quad that has just been sitting since I raced it at Daytona. And uh, he's like, yeah, let's go all in. So that Sunday or the next day was Sunday. I go over to his house. I'm ripping the front end off of that. He's like, all right, let's meet up. Tuesday, we're going to build three shocks for this thing, and then you can test it the next day, and we'll see how it goes, and then you can get out of here because I was going to leave that coming Sunday. So I had about a week to do all this, and uh, they had shocks built for me in probably three hours. We had ride height and everything set up by the end of the night, and uh, we have a sand pit pretty close to us and uh, I went out and rode it. I was just calling him with a 17 millimeter and a flathead and we were making adjustments on the, on the fly and uh, came pretty much loaded her up after that. I cleaned her up, loaded it up after that and <laughs> west with Hunter. And uh, I told Hunter, I was like, look, I did get a wide setup just to let you know, like pretty much when I found out I was gonna get it. So he had a chance. I didn't want him to get mad and cause he said he did have a setup, but it wasn't really available right off the bat. So told him I had it. So he wouldn't get mad. We left. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to, you know, do as good as I can do. And he obviously, he can rip a, a woods bike around a, some flat corners. He can ride, man. That kid's got talent, doesn't he? Oh my gosh. And the cool thing is like, I'm just the, at that age group where I got to watch him go through the levels and uh, not saying he's that much younger than me, but he's young enough where I got to watch him on the youth to the 250. And then he raced pro-am and he's, you know, he beat me from pro-am when I was in pro and now he's up in pro and he's just absolutely killing it. So he can ride and he's got the, the, land and resources where he could be a possible threat to Walker Fowler someday. I kind of think that that may be happening next year. He could, he could take a, he could take a definite chunk out of it. Um, the guy that broke his leg. Bryson Neal. That's what I was going to say. We have, we have a trifecta of Bryson Neal coming back, which is scary because he could be training his butt off and he's kind of low on social media. He doesn't showboat or anything off during church, like off season. He doesn't answer messages back either. No, 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 he doesn't. And uh, like me and him used to be really, really close friends back when I was 14, 15, 16 and we kind of grew apart just because we live so far away. But 
still call him one of my best friends, but that man, he can train off the quad better than anyone at GNCC. The, the kid is a smart, um, he knows, he knows what to do at, in the gym to get him ready for round one, even though he might not be on the bike half as much as Walker or Hunter. So it's pretty cool. But we have the trifecta of Hunter, Walker, and Bryson, and I'm really excited to see what goes down next year. How's his recovery going? Do you know? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't – I play Xbox with him a little bit here and there but that's super late at night we don't talk four wheelers and the only thing i've really seen is what he's posted on social media and that's him just doing recovery stuff right now so i think he is cleared to ride but you know he's got i think it's 75 days till round one or something like that so we'll see I know Hunter's headed down south after the banquet this weekend. And uh, once I get two quads done, I think I'll be heading down south for a little bit and then coming home and then heading down for the first three rounds. So, Wow. <clears throat> what a life, right? Yeah, it's definitely one that I won't be on my deathbed and be like, dang, I wish I worked more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, look at look at my life is is that and and I don't uh I don't think it's work. Yeah, well that's that's the key, right? Yeah. Uh, I I mean I have worked. Trust me, I have worked and some things are a job, but I think the greatest counseling session ever is to build a quad. Oh yeah. I'm building four. So I'm by myself. I'm out there all counseling. <laughs> I'm, I'm out there by myself. There's nobody, you know, talking to me and yep. I just work, you know, and I just, you know, I've solved all the world's problems 10 times. <laughs> yeah. Very true. That's a nice thing about this off season. It kind of slows you down. Um, my dad will join me in the garage and me and him will just, he'll do some things that I can't do still. And, like doing carrier bearings and swing arm bearings, stuff that I just probably I could do, but I don't want to. And he's really good at it because he has so many years. So we kind of just put our heads down and we get these quads done and we work as a team. And it's, it's, it's actually, you know, that's another thing that I will cherish one day. Um, and yeah. I, I just got to tape a show with my dad and one of the young men, uh, young boys that he built motorcycles for in the 70s. Oh, wow. So uh, that was really great to, to talk with them and, and listen to some of the things that this man had to say about my dad building his motorcycles 50 years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, it's freaking... Uh, incredible. Yeah. You never, you'll never forget those moments and those will help when you have children. Uh, hopefully you'll have a son and you'll be able to spend time with him or a daughter and spend time. You could, she could be out there too. So, I mean, look at Hannah. Yeah. Look at yeah. Hannah, look at Tracy Pickens. She's got like 14 women's titles. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I note to self, never go ride with those ladies. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm no XC rider. I don't think that I could make it one lap without wrapping it around a tree. Uh, it's taken me a lot of years to still not wrap it around the trees. It's just the faster you're, you get the one, the little mistake you're into a tree and, you don't think you hit it hard, but it's because you hit it so hard it just sheared all the the parts off the quad. <laughs> oh, where'd my arm go? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I broke. So last year, I wanted to finish. My goal was to finish every race, and with on the last round, I hit a stump in a dust berm, and it just kind of kicked me. I I flew off the quad 
and the quad didn't look like it flipped, but I go to get on the quad and the rear end sinks down. I broke a hyper all the way off. The bolts were still there, but it just broke the carbon fiber. And it was probably 10, 15 feet down the track. And I'm like, no. So it's just like you can hit stuff so hard that you don't even know you broke something rather than it's just stopping you at some point. <laughs> right, right. So you got to you got to prim. Um, I believe you guys got there on Saturday morning. Yeah, we were we were at Corey Ellis's house. Well, we were at a hotel, but right by Corey Ellis's house. We rode for four days straight at Sand Hollow. A beautiful place. We did some GBC um, photo shoots and some RMAX you know, UTV stuff. And I don't get to ride UTVs. I, I mean, I live in like the city kind of a suburb. So there's no UTV ride and I can barely ride my four wheeler. I need to put the stock exhaust on. So that was probably the coolest thing. I mean, we rode four wheelers all day, ate some dinner, jumped in the UTVs and they went rock crawling all night long. So just playing the music, hanging out with your buddies, no stress or nothing. Man, what a time. But uh, yeah, like you said, sorry, I'm getting way off topic. It's okay, man. <laughs> you show up to Prim Saturday morning for practice. Um, man, practice was nothing like the race. Yeah, I got to see the layout of the track. I wish I would have just done one lap and pulled off because – just knowing where the jumps were and what corner, where the corners were, it would have been perfectly fine because the next day was three times as rough as it was in practice. And if you would have, if I, I didn't change my shocks because actually what I tested on was rougher than what practice was. But if I would have changed them for that, I would have been screwed for the race because I think they had two quad races and then a pro dirt bike race, and then another quad race before our race Sunday. And between the two, man, there was it was night and day difference between the two. Uh, yeah, it, it changes a lot out there. The motorcycles made it uh, from what um, everybody was saying, the motorcycles made it worse for you guys than the UTVs. Yeah, I never raced when the UTVs were there, but what Johnny was telling me is if there is a UTV race, it kind of makes the corners flat because they kind of just whip the rear ends around them. But I don't really know for sure. But the dirt bikes, man, they just put braking bumps, one you know, skinny line that kind of widens out through every single corner. So one of your wheels are in there just pounding away and the others are staying on nice smooth ground <laughs> how'd you come out on the start i actually got second off the whole shot and uh i was right behind Bo. i i, I went wide on the first corner well on the starting line because i figured those guys how the corner was whoever was in the inside had to check up and on whoever was on the outside yeah you'd be eating the inside's roost but you could hold it wide open and kind of get to that first little jump. And I was third going off the jump and the second place went wide. So I was right behind Bo and we get up to the K rail and Bo pops his front end over and makes, makes it on top. I get right next to him, pop my front end over, get on top and my kill switch pulls out and I'm sitting there. I'm like, why my quad just shut off? I'm like, this is not, if I'm only going to make it this far, it would have been a long, long drive home. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, the kill switch is out. So I, I'm putting it in. I get off my quad, push the rear end over. So I'm on the backside of the K rail and I take off and I was like third to last. So I'm like, here we go again. All the work I just, you know, could have saved, but I just put my head down and I really, uh, I had some awesome battles. I don't know a lot of the guys' names out there, but uh, one was the JSR guy. Um, he was a Stephen Stephen Stephen. 
Yeah. Me and him, man, we had a two, maybe three lap battle. And uh, I heard he was Wesley's, Wesley Wolf's buddy. And there's, there's a thing that I am known for at GNCCs. And it's pretty much if I can see you on the last lap, I'm probably going to pass you. Like, I just have the determination or just the fitness at the end of the race where I'm just going to be like, okay, he's right there. I can do this. And it's just my mental, my mindset, really. And Wesley told him about it. And he's like, hey, if Josh Merritt's like kind of by you, you need to either sprint away from him so he can't see you or you're going to get caught and he's going to pass you. And I heard a rumor at the end of the race that he said, he's like, dang, even Wesley even warned me about it, which was pretty, was pretty funny to hear that. So um, me and him, man, we had, like I said, a three lap battle and it was, it was awesome. I mean, and me and another guy, I could catch everybody. It seemed like that I was behind, but, passing them on that track i mean they just kind of put a blade down and you have to pick the best line there's one good line and the rest were really choppy so it was tough passing people out there with not many split lines i bet it was yeah you uh you and jacob had a great race together and that sucked you guys to hunter yeah Yeah, and I think it was kind of cool how the motocross part of the track was right by the fans because I could look over, and every lap I was right there with Hunter. He was about 30 seconds ahead of me. So I was like, okay, he's pretty much two corners and one straight away from where I'm at. And then when me and Jacob started battling, we started getting closer and closer. And I think as the track got rougher – Hunter's setup was he was probably still going as fast as he could, but it wasn't allowing him going to go as fast as the wider long shock setup. Right. Yep. So, I that. so going, I got past Jacob and then it was head down, try to catch Hunter. And man, Hunter tried to hit the K rail because who ended up second? I don't I don't know his name. Travis Damon. Travis hit the K rail and he was only 10 seconds in front of Hunter. So Hunter tries to hit the K rail, doesn't make it. Like he said it he hit it and it bounced them backwards. So he's like, I don't know how those guys were going over it. And Hunter can hit any tree or log in Kroom. And it I don't care if it's four foot tall, he's making it over it. So if he isn't making it over, I don't have near experience as much experience as him. And he doesn't make it over and then goes to go around the roundabout and I pull in right behind him. So I was like, Oh man, game on. We have a, it was a lap and a, was it a full lap or two laps? I think it was two laps. You were on him for two laps. Yeah. And through the desert section, I was catching him. But on the moto, we were about the same. And I was on his tail. And it it all really came down to one mistake on my part, actually in the pits on the road. I got – I just high-sided, kind of had to turn into it. And it gave him like a two-second gap going into the – well, probably a five-second gap going into the finish line. But – me and him, oh man, you have no idea how bad I wanted that podium spot. And really, I don't know why it didn't go through my head like during the race. I think it's because I'm so used to getting pit boards or having, you know, someone on the track tell me what other people are doing. We didn't know Bo and Travis were hitting the K rail every lap. We thought pretty much it was in, impassable at that point but they were doing it every single lap. So even if you didn't make it over and you push your quad over, it was still faster than going around. And if I would have just went around that last lap, that would have just put me in front of Hunter. And I don't know if I was just playing it safe because I knew I didn't make it the first lap, but 
I can't play what ifs, but man, what if? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Travis rode the two hour motorcycle race. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, man, I've raced dirt bike and quad in the same day, but not at that, his level and not at his speed. So I, man, props to him. That's awesome. And I know Bo raced the day before, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, he's old. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. (laughs) Do you want me to tell him you said that? You can tell him. He knows it. (laughs) He's still kicking my butt, so he don't care. (laughs) On the last lap, me and Hunter are battling through the pro pits, and Bo's over there drinking a beer, cheering us on. I'm like, did he break or is he already done? And then we found out he was already done for about two minutes (laughs) before us. I'm sorry, but that Bo is Bo's that guy. He would come out and freaking, you know. Oh, I've raced against him in France, and uh, he's on team. He was on team for Liberty, and I was on the Wien and Motorsports team with two Italians, uh, Patrick and Paolo. And uh, he partied with us one night, man. I think we lost him at some point. He's a, he's wild, and I, it's awesome. He's like, he's like a kid at heart. And it's pretty cool to see that he can still do that at that level. And, you know, this is, I think it's his living. Does he work? I'm not sure. This is how he pays his bills. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty cool. I know he just had his 41st. I think so. I think he's 41. Yep. Last week. So he invited us, but there was no way I was going to go back out there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 41 years old, you know, I mean, Doug Eichner won his first works title at 39. Oh, wow. Yeah. It'd be cool. Maybe one day, maybe I'll just have a, I heard we have some friends getting some, uh, some uh, land out there. Maybe I'll just keep my quad out there and just fly back and forth. And make- <laughs> Make it interesting on these guys. Why don't you just move out to the West? Uh, if I would move, it'd probably be by Coriolis so I could ride Sand Hollow and train out there because it'd be like free riding. But just the way of uh, how expensive everything is compared to where I live, which is not the prettiest of views and nicest of houses so maybe one day i'll have to start playing the lottery (laughs) whereabouts exactly are you i live in akron ohio so it's uh, about an hour south of cleveland um kind of home of lebron james if anybody listening knows where that is i'm sorry yeah used to be really cool and then he left us like four times and everything else that he talks about right right i get it i totally get it so break down your overall experience for me um just in a are you coming back Uh, did you have a good time so on so on uh, I would say I'm definitely probably going to come back. Um, I was telling pretty much I had about a hundred phone calls and thousand text messages after the race saying, asking me how it was. I told everybody, man, I had the time of my life. The people out there, Bo, Travis, Logan, Hoff, I mean, all those guys were down to earth, great, great people to hang out with, kind of taught us you know was teaching us about the race before the race so you don't really get that in all the series that i've done like atvmx man everybody kind of is like stuck to their own they don't care what you do who you are nothing they other than joel and chris they kind of talk to me and whatnot but everybody else kind of to themselves and there's nothing wrong with that but the atmosphere at a works race, man, just awesome. People are great. 
I mean, you have the KTM factory rigs there, the all the dirt bike factory rigs, just like a GNCC, the track and the layout. And I really loved that the race was an hour and a half. That makes it worth it, you know, going to a race. I was telling everybody, like, in ATVMX, you race two motos. You race maybe, what, 40 minutes? Let's just say yep. it was an hour it's still you're wasting a whole weekend to ride an hour, you know, all together. At least that it works. You're practicing one day and then you're going out and racing for an hour and a half. And it, you're going to have to have fitness and a bike set up to handle that. And I would definitely do a works race again before I would go do an ATVMX, 100%. That's so awesome to hear. You know, the old, old school motocross stuff. Used to be two 45 minute motos. See, that would be that would make sense. Even two third, I think they used to be 30 minutes until like a few years ago, and then they cut them down. And I don't know why they would do that. That I think the longer they are out there, you know, the better they're gonna have to be. Maybe it's better just shape, better better equipment, you know. Yeah. I mean yeah. They're running such like light bikes. I bet you half the quads in ATVMX, I mean, their <laughs> sprockets might wear out in an hour. <laughs> They're running such light equipment. Well, from what I hear through the grapevine, beings that I don't live in that world, the motors most likely won't live an hour. That makes sense. I mean, they are pushing. I, I see uh, ATV motocross and it, you can see it in every video that rip it up films or ATV motocross posts. It's whoever really gets the whole shot. So those guys, Joel has mastered the whole shot the last few years. And so is Chad. And it's really whoever has the track position is normally, I would say it's probably like a 65% chance they're going to win the race. So they have all the horsepower just for that straight away. <laughs> and I can see why their motors probably wouldn't last a whole works race where it gets twice as choppy. And, you know, it doesn't matter how much horsepower you have, because if you can't hold on to the bike for an hour and a half, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. I'm going to ask you something off topic about Joel Hetrick. Yep. Do you think that the social media people that gave him a hard time um, were wrong? What they give him a hard time about? Because they, they, I don't know all, I didn't read all of it, but some insinuation that he rode the easiest works race uh, beings that it was three motocross tracks connected and it was a shorter distance or shorter time. Um my thought, I'll give you my thoughts and then you can give me yours. I think he came out, he won the race. The race was what it was. It doesn't matter. It, he won. He, he, he whole shot at it, led every lap. And um, that just means that that day on that track, he was the man. I mean, I'm not going to go to a race and not play my strengths. Like, I guess... Yeah, there's three motocross tracks. If I'm Joel Hetrick, I'm going to that race. If Josh Merritt knew there was a Woods race in a works, I'm going to that one because I know that's going to be my best chances of winning. Definitely. I don't, he has no uh, say in how long the race went. I heard it was short, but do you think he was racing and telling them to cut it short? I don't think so. <laughs> So I, it's just the internet trolls. There's always going to be that people, even if it is some of the racers, he has no control. I mean, he's just a guy racing his four-wheeler, and he happened to go a lot faster than you that day because he won. The guy is freaking the man. I would have loved to have seen him at a Mesquite or a Havasu or even Prim and and just to to see his talents you know, would, in, in that yeah. environment. I would be scared of Joel Hetrick or Chad Wienan at a prim. If they came out on a motor package that would finish the hour and a half and 
their moto setup, I think they would, you know, dominate. I hate to say it, but right. I've rode with them so much and the K rail might've scared them. They might've went around it. So that could have been a benefit to the West coast guys, but, uh, they are just so fast. It's scary. But they also have mad skills. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think I think the second time over, Joel would have figured it out. Same with Chad. I mean, Chad is a strong, long, lanky oh, yeah. guy that, you know, he, he has so much leverage when he rides. He looks like he's not even exerting any energy. Yeah. And just with, like, the braking bumps and stuff, his legs can soak it up. It, it would be like he's riding out there on a cloud compared to some of us. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't doubt it at all. I'd love to get Chad out. I, I had, a, I asked him if he would come and race one and he said that before he retired, he'd like to. I definitely think everybody, you know, every top guy should go out and at least do one West coast race. It, yeah. It costs a lot of money, but man, I think I got like so many experiences that I wouldn't get over here and on the East coast, like just driving through Colorado, hanging out, getting, you know, with a buddy, me and Hunter have been pretty close, but I think this trip, you know, we, we became really, really good friends. You know, we, you have 34 hours to talk. So you're going to, you're going to learn a lot about each other. Did you get to say anything? About what? Uh, did you get to say a word? Oh, with Hunter, man. I mean, come on. You know, Hunter, he talks a lot, but he's actually a pretty good listener, also, because I can get I can get rolling. And I had a, you know, I told him I was like, Hunter, if we want to drive through the night, all I need is like one Red Bull, and I'm, you know, I'm a hundred miles per hour till about four a.m. <laughs> so he was a good listener, and you know, we we had our fair shares of long talks and conversations. So it was very cool. And him just growing up differently than I have. He's in, you know, New York, kind of a smaller school system that he came through. And then he was homeschooled because he's living this GNCC dream, just like a lot of kids are. And uh, it was very, it's very cool to just see the difference between, you know, five, six years of age and a couple hundred miles on the same coast. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Josh, I want to thank you so much for coming on ATV Talk and spending some time with me. Like I said, it was an honor and a pleasure to meet you face-to-face out at Prim. I'm going to do my best to get to an XC race um, so that I can – I haven't been to one – Wow. Uh, last one I went to was in Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't been to Tennessee in like 10 years. It was longer than that. So <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a while, but hopefully I can, I can get out to one and, uh, and spend some time with you guys and get to see what it's really like in your world. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you and all the West coast boys, man. It was all, an awesome experience. I hope next year I get to come out again. Um, we'll see if things fall that way. And hopefully next year I won't be driving because that was a long drive home. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on here. All right, brother. Thank you so much. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry's building racing programs and ATVs around the world. 
we feel winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.